You know, camping is already a horror story on its own. You're out there, trying to find a good place to pinch one off. Suddenly a bear runs up with some poison ivy, rubs it all over your junk, and now you're itching for days. Well, apparently this is happening to other people other than just me. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Backwoods Georgia Camping Trip by ACDC Family To start this story, my husband and I are dedicated outdoors people. We love being in nature and camping. We are also devoted hunters. We had some hunting property in good old Washington, Georgia, quite a few years back. It was all a hunter could ask for. Rabbits, raccoons, white-tailed deer, hogs, coyotes, everything you could think of. It was about 300 acres, which was more than enough room for us to explore, hunt, and camp. We would camp at a specific spot off of a dirt road deep into the thicket. After you went through the brush, it opened up into a giant area of oak trees. It was beautiful. At the time, we had a Subaru Outback with a rooftop tent so it was easy to set up for the night. That area was tranquil. We had some other renters on the property, but we were pretty much the only ones in this area. They were all on the other side. They were very kind and respectful people, so we never really had to worry about them. Out there, when it gets dark, it gets very dark. There is zero light pollution out there, so if you don't have any lights, you're pretty much screwed. One night, my husband decided to go hunting at night for some reason. I believe he was trying to get some hogs. There was a tall box stand about a mile away from where we set up our camp, but I was never concerned about being left alone because we always carry a pistol on our side. You can never be too careful. So, we set up the tent. I got all comfortable inside, and before he went on his way, he gave me a walkie-talkie. Now, these were good walkies. They can go up to two miles in the signal. So, he started walking off into the night, and I could hear the crunching of leaves getting farther and farther away until I could hear it no more. Before I go to bed, I want to watch a couple of YouTube videos because I'm putting on an excellent old Swamp Dweller video to sleep to. A good 30 minutes to go by and I start hearing leaves crunching. It's a good distance away from the car, so I try not to overthink it. Maybe it's just a deer looking to bed down for the night or something of the sort. You know, I can't freak out every time something happens. Animals do live their lives just like we do. Then, I can hear it slowly getting closer to the car. The steps sound slow, almost like it's trying to be quiet. I turned off my phone and just listen. I hear it start to circle the car. At first, I thought my husband had returned and he just didn't radio in to tell me he was here. I wasn't about to call out to whatever it was to let it know I was up, even though I had my pistol nearby. There are windows you can zip down in the tent, but even if I did, like I said, it's pitch black out here. I loaded my pistol and called, Honey, is that you? Whatever it was, it stopped moving, and then I heard the leaves crunching again, but like it was running away this time. Now I don't, I don't know at this point if it was just a deer that was curious or what. I told my husband what had just happened, but the signal didn't reach to him, it was just static. I tried not to overthink it at this point and just lay down and try to go to sleep. All of a sudden, out in the woods, I heard this sound that was god-awful. It sounded like a pig squealing, but it was gargling at the same time. I knew damn well that was not a pig. I tried to call my husband on the phone, but the signal was not great. It was super patchy. I tried to radio him, but still static. At this point, my adrenaline started going. All I could think was... What the heck was that? At this point, I had my gun at the ready when I heard something sprinting toward the car again. I felt a big thud as it rammed into the vehicle. Then it starts doing that god-awful squeal again. I start thinking, 
Please don't go for the ladder. Please don't go for the ladder. And, of course, it goes quiet again momentarily. And then, I hear this clinking noise. Crap, it's going up the ladder. I go towards the front of the tent where the zip-up cover is to go to the ladder. And I shoot, aiming down at the ladder. I shot a couple of times, my heart pumping out of my chest. Then it lets out these screams even worse than the squeals. It sounds like it's something straight from hell. I heard it run off, and at this point I go to the middle of the tent and just have my pistol still aimed at the ladder. Then I hear something running towards the car again. Thinking that it's trying to kill me now, I hear my husband calling my name. I came down from the ladder, and I told him we have to go now. Without a second thought, we packed up the tent, got in the car, and sped out. As good as the hunting was and the fantastic memories that were made out there, I never went out there again, and I never want to go again. The Camp Stalker by Ian F. This is no story. It's no tall tale or campfire speech to scare little kids. It probably doesn't sound terrifying like some of the other stories on this channel, but when you are in this situation, this will make your heart run cold, hair stick up, and eyes widen. It will change your mind about scary stories in general. I was camping with a group near Flaming Gorge, Utah. We had just rafted the Green River and had a great day in the sun. The group I was in comprised of about 9 or 10 teenagers from the ages of 14 to 18. Me, Max, an athletic, muscular monster, Caden, Jimmy, Ezra, Dax, Garrig, Kingston, Boston, and Isaiah. There were also three adults with us, family, and friends. We were telling scary stories around a campfire. It was only me, Max, Garrig, Jimmy, Ezra, Caden, and Dax. Isaiah was talking with people in other groups and Kingston and Boston were down at different campsites roasting marshmallows. It was a fun night, and our phones only said there was 3% moonlight this night, so it was pretty dark. We were all talking when my tent shook for a split second. We walked over to inspect it, and there was nothing. No one was inside, no one around. We all had flashlights and looked for about five minutes in the sparse woods and rocky boulders for people. No one was there. We found a rock, though right by the tent. Assuming someone had thrown it, and that's what made it shake, we calmed down, and we probably just forgot about it. It began to drizzle rain for about three or four minutes, killing off the fire. I went with two others to get some wood from the trees. We all had saws and knives to cut branches. We had lighters too, and flashlights. We didn't go too far, but it was dark enough to see the fire just barely. There was only a faint glow. We saw something move. Not too fast and not too slow, but a silent shuffle a few steps and it stopped. It was pitch black, but from the glow of the fire and our lights, we could tell it was watching the fire pit. It was close to the hole, but not close to us. We ran back and yelled and pointed, but there was nothing there when everybody went to look. We were told it was our imagination. The adults went to their tents after stopping in to say hello. After a few moments, we sat silent, listening for the thing to return. Dax wouldn't stop talking, but at least we got him to whisper. Angered, one of the adults came out of his tent, asking which one of us scratched at his tent. He told us he was tired and wanted to get some sleep, and that if he caught us, he wouldn't let us have breakfast in the morning. We were all pretty shook by that, because obviously, everybody wanted breakfast. Something was wrong, though. Kingston and Boston came back, and we told them what happened. They asked us if we were being serious, and we put it on the boys that we were. They said they saw and heard nothing. We figured it was Isaiah, recruiting people in other camps to come scare us. But he was down at an opposite end of the campsite where we saw the figure. Would they go up and around through the trees just so they could scare us? I, I don't know. Things continued to happen, though. We heard branches snapping, but every time we looked, nothing was there. We sent many search parties up through the trees, and nothing was ever seen or heard. Finally, we all teamed up, Isaiah finally came back, and the same thing began to happen. We explained, and he denied that he heard or saw anything and that he had nothing to do with it. No one else was there to do it. It wasn't someone in our group at this point. 
I, Kingston, and Boston went to our tents, shaken and scared. We tried to cheer each other up by watching memes and funny stuff on our phone, but nothing worked. Then all the others screamed. If you get Caden and Max to call, crap is serious. They all dived into our tent. We asked what had happened, and they said they had gone looking for this thing once more. Now, they were just mad. They wanted to get sleep and were being kept up by something. But as they were looking, they saw a shadow move, and it was not theirs. It was like the dark itself had moved. Max was using his phone light and was filming for Snapchat to keep his friends at home posted. They heard a whistling when they were out there after seeing the shadow. They showed it to us on video. It was a long, high-pitched creepy whistle. The last thing in the video is them jumping in the tent, zipping up the zipper, and you could pause the video in the previous two seconds and see that right before the zipper was done, near the fire pits, you could make out two eyes and a smile in the dark. Those creepy long smiles with two big teeth are not the ones that I typically like to hear in a horror story. But this was, this was, this was real. It was, it was right there in front of us. It was sinister, crooked, and had sharp teeth. We don't like to go camping anymore. It's too reminiscent. Sometimes we still camp together, and we swear we can still see the tall, disturbing, omnipresent smile, shadowed by the trees, grinning at us. Nicolette National Forest Terror by Luke 8. A little background before we begin. Everyone says the same thing. I'm an avid outdoorsman. I hunt, fish, camp, hike, and kayak. My buddy is not an outdoorsman. He goes party camping with me, and that's about it. We have never experienced anything like what I'm about to tell you. This happened in 2018. The day before, we were camping at a lake in the Nicolette National Forest in northern Wisconsin. The trees were changing color at the time, and the leaves were starting to fall. It was freezing at night, being October. My buddy got cold quickly and drove around in the mornings to warm up. We would go into town to get gas and supplies, mainly beer. There needed to be more to do at our campground, and with no hiking or activities, day drinking is kind of what we relied on, listening to music and talking about party camping. The next day was going to be an overcast, rainy day, so we decided to spend it by driving around, looking at other campgrounds and scouting them out for other trips. We quote-unquote partied that night and went to bed late. Everything was normal. We heard wolves, owls, loons, and all the other good stuff. But after a while, we heard nothing. Just pure quiet. It was peaceful. It started raining early the next day. Just a drizzle at first, but enough to make camping a pain. We got up late, hung over and cold. We dressed in our hiking gear and jumped in the car to get warm. We left the lake campsite a little after noon to check out the other campgrounds. It was about five miles to the next one and basically on the highway without privacy. We would generally check them out, but it started raining very hard. We stayed in the car, marking down the campsites we liked and the ones we didn't. This one we didn't really particularly like. Now the thing about this national forest is there are campsites and campgrounds spread out absolutely everywhere. They need to be connected in some sort of way. So, you have to get on the highway, find a little sign that says campsites this way, and then drive down a dirt road for 10 to 15 minutes to find them. We made it to about 8 before 5 o'clock. We were at the entrance of what was going to be our last one for the day. It said the road was 15 miles. I went slowly, not trying to kick too many rocks up into my car. The road was honestly pretty eerie. The trees made the street look like we were going down a cave. A couple of minutes in and the rain had stopped. At the campsites, there was no one there. It was beginning to get dark. We had been in the car all day and we were ready to get out and stretch our legs. We parked at the first campsite and got out. The birds were singing their lullabies and everything was still. There were five campsites in a circular clearing with thick trees all around. The sites were open to each other and could have been better for my camping. Only if you rented all the sites. Honestly, we walked around the circle and noticed a sign that said group camp pointing up a trail. We started down the gravel path full of wet leaves to the site. After walking for some time, I realized it wasn't even close. 
I raised this concern with my buddy, but we wanted to see the sight anyway. It was almost dark out, but we could still see rather well. I noticed the birds had stopped singing at this point. It was a hushed tone in the forest. All we heard was our own footsteps. We made it to the group side after walking for quite a few minutes. It was still and nothing was moving. We were at the end of the trail looking into the area. The hair on the back of my neck started to stand up and my skin crawled. Standing about 30 feet to our left was a very massive, dark-haired creature. I was frozen with fear. My buddy hadn't noticed it yet and was still walking. I said his name quietly. He must have known something was wrong because he stopped and turned to his left immediately. We were both frozen. I was standing there what felt like minutes, but it couldn't have been more than a few seconds. I knew what it was, but in my head I was saying they weren't real. I couldn't even speak. Then it started slowly moving towards us. It started yelling some deep throaty gibberish at us. Against all my instincts to hold my ground and fight back, we ran for it. It ran with us, and it was still screaming. We kept running for our lives. It was running parallel to us. Its scream was replaced by what I can only describe as a deep, throaty huffing noise. It was crashing through the dead brush, keeping up with us effortlessly. We were running, trying not to slip on the leaves or, or just die. We saw the car and had hope. As soon as we got to the clearing, it stopped. It hit a tree, more like it punched through a tree. We heard a huge crack and crash. We were almost to the car when this massive tree hit the ground next to us. We then listened to what can only be described as a great ape beating its chest in triumph while screaming. We jumped in the car and sped away. The rest was a blur. We got back to the campground, packed up and left at night. We never spoke about it again and haven't talked about it since. I'm almost entirely possible what we experienced that day was a Bigfoot. Camping in the Aztec Ruins Gone Wrong by Anonymous I had always been fascinated by the ancient Aztec civilization, so when my friends suggested we go camping near some ruins, I eagerly agreed. We set up our tents at the edge of a dense forest and hiked to the site of the ruins. They crumbled pyramids and ancient carvings that were awe-inspiring, but they had this eerie finger that seemingly lingered. As night fell, we built the fire and roasted marshmallows and made s'mores. We laughed and shared stories, but I couldn't shake that feeling that we were being watched. A chill ran down my spine as I heard strange noises coming from just beyond the tree line. My friends dismissed it as just animals, but I knew better. I decided to take a walk around the ruins to clear my head. The moon cast a pale light on the stone walls and carvings. Suddenly, I saw a figure moving in the shadows. It was a woman, dressed in traditional Aztec attire. She glided towards me, her eyes glowing in the darkness. I froze in fear, unable to move as she drew closer. The woman reached out a hand, her long nails sharp and menacing. I screamed and turned to run, but she seemingly caught me in her grip-like vice. I struggled and fought, but she was too strong. She whispered in my ear in a language I didn't understand, her breath cold and fetid, knowing I would die. I could feel her cold lips on my neck. Suddenly, as if a, something were answering the prayers of a god, my friends appeared, shouting and waving their flashlights. The woman released me and disappeared into the shadows. My friends were baffled by what had happened, but I knew it was a ghostly encounter of some sort. We packed our camp and left the ruins immediately in the morning, vowing never to return. From that night on, I never doubted the existence of the supernatural. I can't help but wonder, though, what the heck did I run into? Camping in Sasquatch Country by Big John 6771. It was supposed to be the trip of a lifetime, a chance to disconnect from the world and reconnect with nature in the Alaskan wilderness. But as night fell and the campfire flickered, my friends realized they were not alone. At first, it was just strange noises in the woods, rustling leaves and snapping branches. But then they saw a massive creature looming on the edge of the clearing. Its eyes glowed in the firelight, and its breath came in heavy, guttural grunts. One of the campers grabbed their camera, eager to try to catch a glimpse of whatever this was. But, as they approached, the creature let out a terrifying roar. 
sending them running back to the safety of their fire, or the perceived safety of the fire, that is. For hours, they listened to the Sasquatch circle their campsite, taunting them with eerie howls and bone-chilling screams. It was as if the creature was toying with them, enjoying their fear. As the night wore on, the campers grew more and more desperate. They had no weapons, no way to defend themselves against the powerful Sasquatch, and as dawn approached, they realized they might never leave the wilderness alive. But just as all hope seemed lost, the Sasquatch disappeared into the woods abruptly, leaving the group of friends shaken and terrified. They packed their campsite quickly and hiked out of the wilderness, vowing to never return to that cursed place again. Years later, they still tell the tale of their encounter with the Alaskan Sasquatch, a cautionary reminder of the dangers that lurk in the untamed wilderness. And whenever they hear a strange noise in the night, they can't help but wonder if the Sasquatch has returned to taunt them once again. I'll Never Camp in Yellowstone Ever Again by Adventurous Mark 45 Personally, I've always loved camping, and Yellowstone National Park has been on my bucket list for many years. The thought of experiencing the park's stunning natural beauty up close and personal had always excited me, but little did I know that my camping trip to Yellowstone would be a horrific nightmare I would never, ever have the chance to forget. My friend and I arrived at the park and set up our tent at a campsite deep in the woods. It was the perfect spot, really, away from the hustle and bustle of other campers, and we were thrilled to be surrounded by the tranquility of nature. The first few days were everything we had honestly hoped it would be. We hiked through the forest, spotted wildlife, and enjoyed the park's scenic views. But things started to turn dark on the third day of our trip. We were on a hike when we heard strange noises from the woods. At first, we assumed it was just the wildlife, but as the noises grew louder and we realized something was not quite right, a low guttural growl made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. We tried to ignore it and continued on our hike, but the growling followed us. Finally, we started to feel like we were being watched, and the hairs on our arms stood on end. That's when we saw a dark, shadowy figure lurking in the woods. It was too far away to make out any specific features, but we could tell it was massive and not of this world. As we returned to our campsite, the growling continued to follow us. We tried to keep our cool, but the fear was too much. When we finally returned to our tent, we locked ourselves inside and tried to ignore the growling outside. The night was long and terrifying. We could hear the creature outside scratching at our tent and making horrible sounds that filled us with absolute dread. After that, we barely slept, and when we did, it was fitful and filled with nightmares. When morning finally came, we packed our campsite as quickly as we could and left the park without ever looking back. To this very day, I really don't know what that creature was, but I have a very strong feeling that it was something beyond human understanding. The memory of that camping trip still haunts me, and I know I'll never be able to forget the horror of what happened in Yellowstone National Park. But please, don't let that deter you from visiting. Overall, it still was a very, very serene place. We accidentally discovered a lost tribe by Anonymous Possum. It would be a fun and exciting experience to go camping in the Bolivian wilderness with my friends, I thought. So we packed our bags and embarked on our journey, excited to explore the vast expanse of unspoiled nature. The first few days were actually quite amazing. We hiked through the dense jungle, crossed raging rivers, and climbed towering peaks. We even caught glimpses of exotic wildlife like jaguars and tapirs. But things quickly started to take a turn for the absolute worse. One night, while sitting around the campfire, we heard strange noises from the forest. At first, we thought it was just some animal, but the sounds became more and more human-like. We were all on edge, but we decided to ignore it and tried just to go to sleep. The following day, we woke up to find that some of our supplies were missing. We assumed it was just some animal that had taken them, but we were all so wrong. As we continued our journey, we saw signs of human activity. We found footprints, broken twigs, and even discarded clothing. We tried to rationalize it by telling ourselves that some local tribes people were curious about us, but we couldn't shake the feeling that something was just not quite right. As we continued to hike, the feeling of being watched grew more robust. Then finally we started to see figures lurking in the shadows and they would disappear every time we turned around. We were absolutely terrified at this point but we didn't want to give up on our adventure. 
That was until an unknown tribe confronted us. Now, I had done quite a bit of research and had not heard anything about a specific tribe being uncontacted in this area, but I had read that it was possible that they could exist. They were a fierce looking group dressed in rough animal skins and carrying crude weapons. They didn't speak our language and we couldn't understand theirs. They made it clear that they didn't want us there and we knew we had to leave before things worsened. But before we could go, they attacked us. We tried to fight back, but they outnumbered us by far and had the advantage of knowing the terrain. Finally, we were forced to flee abandoning our supplies and running for our lives. We were lost and alone in the wilderness with no way to communicate with the outside world. Days passed and we ran out of food and water. We were exhausted and on the verge of giving up, but we refused to let these unknown tribes people defeat us. We finally managed to find our way back to civilization, but the memories of that terrifying trip have stayed with us for years. I still have scars from the cuts and bruises that I gained from all the plants and falling while trying to run. We avoided many traps and all kinds of crazy contraptions that they had put out there in the woods for what I assume is protection and potentially hunting. Now, whenever I hear strange noises in the forest, I remember that camping trip and shudder at the thought of what could have happened to us. I know that the story was short, but I had to share it. It's one of those things that just haunts me every single night of my life, and it would be nice to have some sort of therapeutic escape. My Appalachian Trail Horror Story by N.A. Hiker 95 I never thought my hike along the Appalachian Trail would lead me to one of the most horrifying experiences of my entire life. Nevertheless, my girlfriend and I, who had always been avid hikers, decided to tackle the trail for our anniversary. After hiking for some hours, we decided to finally make camp for the night. We found a perfect spot overlooking the mountain range and quickly set up our tent. As the sun set, we sat around the campfire sharing stories and roasting marshmallows and making some hot dogs. Then, suddenly, we heard a rustling sound in the woods. At first, we assumed it was just an animal of some sort, but as the noise grew louder, we became uneasy. Then we heard a sound that chilled us to the bone, a low guttural growl that seemed to be coming from all around us. We quickly doused the fire and retreated to our tent. We tried to convince ourselves it was just a bear, but we both knew something was just quite not right here in this situation. Now, we are experienced hikers and campers, so this was strange to us to not recognize these noises. We lay in the darkness, listening intently to the growling sounds growing louder and more intense. Then suddenly, the tent began to shake violently, and we could hear scratching sounds on the fabric. In sheer terror, we realized that whatever was outside was trying to get in. My girlfriend and I clung to each other, paralyzed with fear. My girlfriend and I clung to each other, paralyzed with fear, not knowing what to do as we heard the sound of claws shredding through the tent. We could hear heavy breathing and growling from whatever was outside. We knew that we were not going to make it out of this alive, so we started saying we loved each other. Just when we thought all hope was done, the tent ripped open and we saw the terrifying sight. A vast creature covered in fur and razor-sharp teeth stood before us. It was like nothing we had ever seen before. It let out a roar that echoed through the forest and we both knew it was the last thing we would ever hear. Almost as if some sort of greater being was watching over us. A bear ran into the picture, roaring itself. It seemingly felt, I guess, I don't know, maybe it was feeling challenged by this creature's roar. It tackled the creature and the creature swiped back at it. They began fighting brutally, scratching and mauling at each other. Ultimately, I can't say who won because they began to go out of sight and we took that moment to run and run as fast as we ever have. Luckily, we made it back to the Appalachian Trail. We ran as fast as we could and made it to the nearest conservation building that we could find and met up with some other hikers. We told them our story and got airlifted to a hospital as quickly as possible. We are lucky to survive and to be able to tell this story, but I have no idea what it was that nearly ended our lives that day. I just have to thank Mother Nature and that bear for, I guess, feeling threatened by whatever happened. After I did some research many years after, it did turn out that that was the time that most mother bears would have cubs around. So maybe it was just right time, right place.
Fresh out of high school, my friends and I decided to take one last trip together before we all split up to go to college. The Pacific Crest Trail was the destination. A few nights of drinking, hiking, and camping was exactly what we needed together. Ian, my boyfriend, picks me up from my house. I've never been to the Pacific Crest Trail, so he tries describing its beauty the best he can. <laughs> Babe, you're gonna love it, I promise. Nothing but fresh air and wilderness. We will be one with nature. I'm not so sure Mother Nature would approve of the ungodly amount of alcohol you have in the cooler. Well, what about this? Ian pulls out a sandwich-sized Ziploc bag of weed. I know Mother Nature would approve of this. She grew it. You've been holding out on me, I said, snatching the bag from his grip. I open it and take a deep breath inhaling the familiar aroma. It's a long ride. Might as well roll one up for the road. Sounds good. I'll call the others and get them to meet us at the location. Ian connects his phone on his Jeep radio, putting on his 80s hair metal playlist. I light the freshly rolled joint, and we settle in for a road trip. We decided to meet up at the Bridge of Gods. The Bridge of the Gods sits at the convergence of the historic Columbia River Highway State Trail, three national historic trails, and the Pacific Crest Trail. We walk over the bridge together, being extra careful because there is no shoulder on the narrow bridge, and we must share with cars and trucks. We make it across with no problem and hike for a while until we decide to go off trail to find a spot to set up camp by the river. Three tents between six people, Nova and his girlfriend Tessa, the twins Sadie and Katie, and finally myself and Ian. I sit back with a black cherry white claw and take in the beautiful, beautiful surroundings. The sky let out an orange glow as the sun sank behind the jagged mountains. The mountains came down to meet the cold, untamed river. Nova and Ian began to make a fire before the night came. As the darkness falls, the alcohol flows. The flicker of the flame lights the night. We all reminisce about high school and talk about all that we would like to do for our future. Ian gets quiet and stares off to the darkness that is the river. What's up, Ian? I ask. I think I can see the outline of a boat floating not far off the bank. We all look in that direction, Ian pointed. Yeah, I think I see it too, Katie said. Nova walks over to his backpack and pulls something out. He twirls it in his hand and looks at it for a moment, before putting it in the direction of what we think is the boat. Is that a gun? Put that up, Nova. I spoke. Chill out, Brittany. It's just a flare gun, Ian said as he grabbed my hand to calm me. Nova pulls the trigger, and a trail of light streaks out towards the boat. It lights up the immediate area around the dark outline. It was a boat. Not just our mind playing tricks on us in the dark. Two people stood in the flat-bottom boat, looking our way. They wore orange hoodies that hid their face. Oh my god. People are watching us. Sadie said. Get the hell out of here, you damn weirdos! Nova shouted. Nova and Ian began picking up rocks on the riverbank and throwing them at the boat. After a few moments, we could hear the engine start and drive away. We finally get over being freaked out. We did our best to put the incident behind us and continue drinking and partying throughout the night before eventually passing out in our tents. I woke the following day to a commotion outside. I unzipped the tent and dragged myself out. The sun hit my eyes, and I winced as a sharp pain shot through my head. Drinking obscene amounts of alcohol seems like a great idea until the next day. When you have to wake up with a splitting headache and you get a queasy gut. I see Ian with his hands clasped on top of his head, standing in front of a flat-bottom boat and sat on the riverbank on our campsite. Ian, what's wrong? What's going on? I ask. These assholes from last night, they docked our boat here, stole all of our supplies while we were sleeping. Nova walks up behind us. I'm having trouble finding the trail. I have some food and water stashed away in my tent. Let's refuel and go look like a group. After eating, with no supplies, we decided to cut our trip short, pack up, and look for the trail we strayed from to get to this riverbank. Let's split up, Nova said. We can go in pairs of two. Try not to stray too far from the others, so if you find the trail, you can alert the others by yelling. Nova and Tessa enter the woods, 
Sadie and Katie enter about 20 yards away, and Ian and I do the same. Ian grabs my hand and he leads the way. We say nothing to each other, only the sound of twigs breaking and brush under our feet fill the silence. I think I see something, Ian said. I look around to try and see what he sees, and that's when I notice it. I think we both figure out what it was at the same time by the terrified look we gave each other. To our left, a man in a bright orange hunting hoodie stood several yards away. He didn't move. He just looked at us. A camouflaged ski mask covered his face. He didn't move even when we ran into the opposite direction of him. Even without being chased, we ran as fast as we could, leading to me tripping over some undergrowth and falling. My extended hands were the only thing stopping me from slamming my face into the unforgiving ground. A sharp pain shot through my wrist into my elbow. I let out a yelp in pain. I'm not sure if it's broken, but I know it's at least sprained. The price I had to pay to save my face from colliding with the forest floor. Ian quickly comes to my side, helping me up and inspecting the hand. I held it close to my body. He flexed the wrist, sending a shockwave of pain through my arm, causing me to jerk my hand away. Behind him, I noticed some movement. It was one of the men in the orange hoodie stepping out from behind some trees. I point a shaky finger behind Ian at the man. Ian glances over his shoulder to see what has me so shaken. We'll check this out later. Right now we have to run. Ian grabs my elbow, careful not to touch my hurt wrist. We make a hard left and quickly make our way to what is hopefully the trail we came in on. We break through the trees, but it, it's not the trail. It's a small clearing. It looks like someone has recently been here. A still smoldering fire set in the center of the small clearing. Sadie and Katie break through the brush into the clearing a few feet away from where we came in, followed by Nova and Testa shortly, to the right of where we came in. We all share stories, and they all sound very similar. These men funneled us to this spot, Katie said. Why do they want us here? What, what do they want? Nova responded. Well, you did shoot a flare at them. I say to Nova. The creeps were floating there watching us. What was I supposed to do? Stop fighting. It'll get us nowhere. We need to figure out how to get back to the trail. Sadie interrupted. We looked around the clearing. It was roughly about half the size of an NFL football field. There was nothing out of the ordinary other than the smoldering pile of coals left behind. Let's turn around together and enter the woods and search for the trail. It has to be close. Ian said. We began to walk towards the section of woods we had entered the clearing through, and several of the men with orange hoodies and camouflage masks stepped out of the tree line. We turned as a group and began running in the opposite direction. We got halfway to the other side of the clearing before there were more men wearing the same orange hunting hoodies and camouflage masks stepping out. More emerged from the tree line surrounding us. I'm pretty sure there were 12 of them in total. Some of them had rifles in hand. Our group huddles together as it looked like these hunters were slowly closing in around us. Two hunters grab the twins, Sadie and Katie, and begin to drag them away, kicking and screaming. Ian and Nova run towards the two hunters that grab the twins. Nova throws a punch that connects with the hunter's chin and drops him to the ground. Nova grabs Sadie by the hand to help her up when a loud boom fills the air. The unexpected explosion temporarily disorients me. My ears ring. I look around confused about what just happened, and where the explosion came from. I hear Sadie let out a terrified scream. I look to see her coated in blood and Nova lying on the ground beside her. Ian turns around, running away from the scene unfolding before us. The look of fear in his face let me know exactly what had just happened. One of the hunters with a rifle had shot Nova. Ian took about two steps before another shot rang out. Blood spray came out of the side of Ian's head like a lawn sprinkler. Ian drops mid-stride, pulls her into the nearest tree line, and I hush her, violent screams. No additional words are needed as we began to both sprint away from the chaos. I feel terrible about leaving Sadie and Katie to die. But any other action than what I took would have led to all of our deaths. I could hear the hunters scrabbling after us. At least, that's what was running through my mind at that moment. Tessa and I ran full speed for what felt like miles. My legs burned, my lungs hurt, and I would not dare to slow down. To my relief, we stumbled upon the trail. I look around to regain my sense of direction. The bridge is this way, 
I yelled to Tessa, and we began sprinting again. We ran to the bridge, where we flagged down a car, and they called the emergency number to alert the police. I was frantic trying to explain to the officer what I saw, that we ran off leaving our friends to die. Tessa could only weep. She tried to tell her version, but she couldn't get the words out. Tessa was physically shaking, and instead of words, vomit was the only thing that came from her mouth. Several hours had passed, and the sun was starting to set when the officers found my friends. The hunters had erected two wooden crosses that Sadie and Katie hung from. Their abdomens sliced open, and the twins were connected by their intestines tied together. Their guts decorated the wooden structure they hung from, like a set of gory Christmas lights. Ian and Nova lay at the foot of the crosses. I don't know the reason behind the gruesome slaughter of my friends, but I do know I'll never revisit the Pacific Crest Trail. I used to go to the mountains every year, multiple times if fate would allow it. There's something so peaceful about feeling isolated from the rest of the world. I don't have to look down at my phone and worry about bills or keeping up with my friends. For a brief window of time, it's just me and what the world has created. Every year, I would visit the town of Estes and stay overnight so I could grab an early start and avoid as many people as possible. It had gotten to the point where I was recognized and formed friendships with some of the locals. Most anyone working at the diners where I got some fuel before heading up the mountain probably knew who I was. My car and I would traverse the Trail Ridge Road. Stopping on the viewpoints along the road, I would observe the wildlife. Rolling green would lay out in front of me dotted with the remnants of snowfall. I would make sure to stop at every given opportunity and take a few good breaths to slowly acclimate myself to the higher altitude and lower intake of oxygen. That's what I used to do anyways. I haven't been back there in a few years now. I think it was three years ago now that it happened. It's hard to keep track anymore. I try not to think about it too much. I've had issues with the memories popping back up without much cause and sending me into a fit. My chest gets all tight and it's hard to breathe. I swear, whatever happens, I can hear its footsteps, but I'm getting ahead of myself. My therapist that I started seeing following the event told me it might be a good idea to get it out, write it on paper, or tell people my story. So that's what this is. I have no idea if something like this will help, but at this point I'll try anything. I'd love to finish telling my story and be able to get an uninterrupted night's sleep. So, three years ago, like I said, if I ever got the opportunity I would go back multiple times in a year, and as fate had it, that was such a year. I had a decent chunk of vacation time saved up at work, so I decided to take an extra holiday for myself. Everything went about as you'd expect. It was warmer than normal, as I try to go in the quarter months usually. I got into town the same as always. I booked nearly the same room in the same hotel as the last time I visited and threw my stuff into the hotel room. Before heading to bed, I made sure to plot out my intended traveling so I could show someone where I was planning to go. I had been there so many times, and as beautiful as everything was, I liked to try and go off the beaten path when I could. In the event something happened to me, I wanted people to know where I was. That's exactly what I did the next morning. I was greeted by the workers at the local diner and made sure to show them the map, telling them when I expected to return. With enough fuel to get me through most of the day, I headed out. The first place I wanted to go was a decent drive up Trail Ridge Road, Lulu City a place I was surprised that I had never gotten around to visiting. Pulling onto the side of the road, I sat at the shoulder looking at the elevation between me and the town, a town that had diminished into a small portion of the horizon. Turning the car off and locking it, I was pleasantly surprised to find myself alone on the trail. The fewer people that were around me, the more connected to the environment I could feel. It's like when you watch a movie in the theater. You're so much more immersed when it's quiet. Just a few chattering conversations can taint the entire experience. 
They say with hindsight, it's much easier to see the red flags. When I think back though, it's hard for me to tell where my first sign to turn back really was. You'll hear a lot of sounds walking through the forest, and sounds travel pretty far. So it's hard to say what's unusual and what isn't. Even if you've heard something hundreds of times, it can sound alien. I remember as I was walking the trail, I heard what sounded like several booms from a distant thunder. The noise happened in rapid succession, like the beating of drums. Though the weather hadn't called for such noises, at the time, I thought it could have just been the snapping of a nearby tree and the resulting noise of it was smacking into the ground. I ignored it and continued on my path, feeling the mountain air fill my lungs surrounded by trees, all by myself. There was the occasional skittering of wildlife. I even came across a large print in the middle of the trail. I assumed it to be a bear as black bears have been spotted near the trail. It's a nearly four mile hike, which isn't all that bad as the elevation didn't climb too much. Around two hours after I had initially set out, I found myself looking at the old sign for Lulu City, an old mining town that had been abandoned in the 1800s. I walked slowly through the place. There were old cabins around the area and various plots of land that once served as foundations for more homes. It was incredible to sit in a ghost town, nestled near the Rocky Mountains. It was almost as if the place had pushed them out. From the little research I had done, it seemed like the profit margin for the silver they were mining just wasn't enough to justify the town. Though, knowing what I know now, I can't help but wonder if something else was at play all those years ago. I looked around for a while at the large open area where the town used to sit. There were around 40 cabins at the town's prime. All that remained were the remnants of three, a few building sites, and a sign for the town. Citing the population was at 200 people. I sat down for a moment, leaning my back against the tree, looking at the area surrounding me, pouring some water down my throat, I watched the tree line. There was this creeping sensation you get when someone is staring at the back of your head. I felt that, but it was like I knew where the feeling was coming from, but I couldn't quite see it. As I was focused on an area of trees where the paranoia was stemming from, I noticed a shadow moving. I had thought at first it was just a dark area where the sun had difficulty getting through. As the shadow shifted, however, it was revealed there was just a dark mass blocking my view. My initial reaction was to just assume the figure was a black bear or an elk, but it was hard to convince myself of that as the shadow reached far too high off the ground. Either way, I just sat and watched. I wasn't about to call any attention to myself, especially if my initial reaction was correct. I had bear mace and the likes, but if I could avoid using it, I would rather do that. With the shadow retreating into the woods, I stood slowly from my spot and decided to exit Lulu. As I turned around, I heard a familiar cracking of trees. This time, however, the sound continued for a good minute or two. It was as if the drums of war had been rung and a warning was shooting through the mountain. I wondered if anyone on the other trails were able to hear the noise as it was so loud that it made me cover my own ears. As I started retreating from the noise, it stopped and... As I reached the exit to Lulu City, I saw a shadow once more. This time, it was much closer to me. I was able to make out more about it. Part of its dark structure being the antlers atop its head. They weren't the same, jagged and pointy antlers that decorated the indigenous elk around Rocky Mountain. They were more solid, resembling that of a moose's. They were much larger than any pair I'd seen before, though large enough to shovel the snow out of the driveway in one go. I backed up a bit, hearing the foliage bending and cracking under my footsteps. I honestly did not know how to approach the situation, because I did not know what I was looking at. The thing was still shaded by the trees and I couldn't make out its body structure other than it being massive. I wonder how something of that size was able to move so quickly through the trees. Then I caught a glimpse of the eyes it was using to watch me. It was only when shreds of light reflected off of them. 
the first two shimmering orbs appeared from under its antlers, and then to my shock, another set of lights, fainter than the ones above them appeared. It was uncanny. Looking at something with such a familiar shape, yet I couldn't decipher what the thing was, or what it wanted from me. I didn't want to keep staring, in case it took direct eye contact as a threat. Averting my gaze, I listened to the creature stumbling around before the commotion caused by their movements dissipated into the foreground. With the noise of that thing distant, I turned back and saw no sight of the thing. I decided it was best to leave the area quickly and quietly. I thought the thing might consider Lulu City its territory and was giving me a stern warning. I started walking back ready for the easy hike. Watching the dirt path at my feet, I came across a fresh footprint. It was massive. Putting my foot into it revealed that my foot didn't even make up half the size of one of its toes. The thing was massive and heavy. I didn't want to call my trip short, so as I walked the trail back to my car, I thought of just going to the next spot ahead of schedule. I always try to end my visits by looking out over Bear Lake. It's just so pristine, it's hard to ignore. I kept my eyes on the trees the whole time, making sure that some hulking shadow wasn't lurking. Before I knew it, I was exiting the trail and climbing into my car, with a hum, and the vehicle sprang back to life. It wasn't too long before I had gotten to as far as my car would take me before I had to stop and walk the rest of the way. Surprisingly, once again I found myself alone. There were a few other cars where I parked, but once I got to the lake, I didn't see anyone else on the trails. It felt like everyone had been scared off. Bear Lake is normally a pretty popular spot for people visiting. I had the feeling like I was missing something, like everyone else got a memo that I didn't. I sat for a while on a large boulder by the side of the lake, watching the winds ripple small patterns over the smooth surface of the water. It wasn't often you could go there and not hear the howling of screaming children and their parents, so I intended to soak as much of it in as I could. As I sat there, I could see the line of trees on the other side of the lake. The tops of them created an ocean of green that only surrendered to the peaks behind them. I watched that ocean of green sway like a hurricane was sweeping through them. The treetops moved and buckled as I heard familiar smacking noises begin to get louder. The realization dawning on me that whatever I had seen before wasn't warning me. It had been following me and continued to do so as I left the site. I had driven there though. I thought it would be impossible for that thing to be able to have made it here so quickly. With the shifting of the treetops getting closer, I slowly rose to my feet when I saw something eject from the top of the trees. It hung in the air for a moment before crashing down into the lake before me. It was brief, but I saw the object enough to know that the thing had flung a rock rather large, probably bigger than my body, like it was nothing. I started stepping backward when my ankle rolled on a rock and I fell backward crashing to the ground. My elbow made contact with the hard surface, pulling apart the fabric of my sweater and slicing through my skin. I opened the small first aid kit I had brought with me, hearing the thunderous noise getting closer. I poured my drinking water onto the wound and wrapped it with a bandage. As I finished tending to the small wound, I noticed that the noise had halted. Slowly ignoring the pain in my ankle and the stinging on my elbow, I looked over the rock to see. The trees were no longer swaying, only moving with a gentle push of the wind. That's when I heard a noise to my right. A huff. Turning slowly, avoiding sudden movements, I saw the beast that had been watching me. I saw it bathed in the sun. Every detail. This thing was some twisted amalgamation. It dwarfed me in size. I could have been twice as tall and still not met it eye to eye. I did not know what I was supposed to do if I was supposed to run or stay still. I watched its pitch black fur ruffle as it took a step towards me, offering another huff out of the bear-shaped nose. Its whole head reminded me of a bear, except for the angular structure around its eyes that looked more like a buck. Four stern and focused eyes, all of varying shades of amber, peered toward me. Its body, again, was reminiscent of a bear that had a bizarre length to it, almost like its belly was dragging against the dirt. 
If it wasn't for the massive paws pushing down onto the ground, the thing would topple over. It moved its head back and forth, shaking its whole body. Small clicking groans emitted from the open jaw. A jawline with thick and sharp teeth. My reasoning was starting to go out the window, and the urge to just run and get the heck out of there was mounting by the moment. I was backing away and had noticed I was making it back to the trail, but the creature matched my movements. We were both surrounded by trees and the thing started moving its head side to side, smacking its large antlers onto the nearby trees. As it did, the tree's bark ripped free, exposing lighter tones. As close as I was, the smashing of the massive antlers against the trees was like a shotgun going off next to your ear. It caused me to hold my hands over my ears as I tried to back away. I wanted to run, but the moment I put too much pressure on my ankle, I knew I would buckle, so all I could do was continue to back away hopping and just hope that it wouldn't charge. It just kept walking forward, smacking one tree after another like it was trying to intimidate me. I watched amazed as if its large frame bulldozed through the trees like it was nothing. I don't know what I did to upset it more than I already had, but the clicking noise from its mouth picked up and it charged at me. The ground was trembling under the thing's footsteps and before I had time to process what was happening, an antler made contact with me. The memories get all foggy from there. I remember being shunted to the side, my legs colliding with a tree, and I spun out into the bush. Nearly unconscious, I laid surrounded by dirt and leaves as the bear-like creature approached me. It smelled me, interested particularly in the blood spilling out of my legs where the bones had broken on impact. I got a good look at its eyes before I passed out. One was a set of eyes that you'd expect to see on a mammal, while the others were more lizard-like. Those eyes were the last thing I saw before passing out. It was a miracle I ever made it out of there. Some other visitors had heard the commotion and headed over to find me passed out. They stopped my bleeding and got me to the hospital in Estes. I wish I could go hiking still. I'm not afraid of running into that thing again, but my legs were beyond repair and I haven't been able to walk ever since. I still think about that creature. I did as much research as I could, but never found anything that looked like that thing. Some monstrous combination of a bear and elk. I wondered if that was the real reason Lulu City was abandoned. Maybe. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't think I'll ever know. Sometimes, I hear the clicking noises it made. Every thunderstorm I hear makes me think about the creature bashing its head into the trees. Maybe it did that as a show of strength, like when bucks smack their antlers together. I don't want to believe that's true though, because I couldn't imagine what a behemoth like that needs to prove its strength to. What other secrets could the Rocky Mountains contain? Are there more of those things there, or perhaps another manner of beast? Every night I go to sleep, I look out my window, I think of those four eyes peering at me through the dark waiting to finish what they started. I'm not sure if I'll ever feel better having written this all out. Reading it as I go, I almost don't believe it myself. Maybe I'll feel better if I just convince myself nothing ever happened. That I just fell and tumbled hard enough to crack the bones in my legs like twigs. Maybe then, I'll be able to get some sleep. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to punch that like button in the face so it really feels it. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to send them in at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. You can also find an email to submit stories to in the description down below. 
I would love to share your stories with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them and listen to them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. It helps me pick better stories in the future, and it's always nice to see your feedback. If you made it to the very end, today's code word is burning tree. Be sure to comment that down below to let me know you made it to the end and to confuse anybody who didn't. The funniest comment will be pinned at the top per the usual. I really do appreciate all of you guys supporting the swamp the way you do on a daily basis. I'm trying to upload these hour plus videos for you multiple times a week. Got a bunch of new stories I'm trying to get through for you all. On top of that, I will be on tour with my band soon. If you didn't know, I sing for a metal band. We're going to be playing in the southeast in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and Tennessee. I'd love to see you guys. You can find a link to that in the description and pinned comment. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you soon with another creepy episode.